Hey friends, you're listening to How to Win a Campaign, where you get an insider's perspective that teaches you not only how to run, but how to win. I'm Joe Fold. And I'm Martin Diego Garcia, and you can find us at CMPWRKSHP on Twitter or at the Campaign Workshop on Instagram. Welcome and thanks for listening to this episode of How to Win a Campaign. Well, Martin, on the last episode, we spoke with Amy Walter about the power of the press. So if you haven't listened yet, make sure to go check it out. Absolutely. And we have a great episode for you today. We're going to be discussing all things election law and compliance, both why it's important and what can go wrong. We're also going to be discussing how you can determine uh, what kind of election law help you potentially need for your campaign and how to be organized around compliance. And a little bit later, get excited. We are going to nerd out about all of this stuff with our friend Joe Sandler. Well, Martine, when you're working in elections, you want to make sure that you know the rules. And that's what compliance and election law is. It's the rules. It is understanding how you file for office, where you file for office, how much money you're able to take, when you're able to take it. It is everything from that to when you can put up signs to putting petitions, you name it. And to me, what this is really about, whatever kind of campaign you're running from a C3 voter turnout campaign to a independent expenditure to a ballot measure to a candidate campaign, it's really making sure you understand the rules. And if you don't, There are real fines, penalties, negative press, or you might not even get on the ballot to begin with if you don't do it right. So, Martine, what do you think some of the key things campaigns need to know about when it comes to compliance and election law? Well, first and foremost, like you said, they need to know what they are and where to find them. And so figuring out what office or commission oversees your election in your uh, municipality, in your county, in your state, or if it's the FAC at the federal level, right? You wanna look for that board of elections or that secretary of state's office who is gonna have this guidebook for you. We are playing an election game here. And like Joe said, you're gonna wanna know the rules and they will have them for you. Everything from how to get on the ballot to who can give you money, how much can they give you, when you need to report and file, how much money you've raised and how much money you've spent. There are a lot of rules you need to know. And before you get slapped with a big fine, you wanna know what these rules are so that you're able to abide by them and run a successful campaign. I also think it's really important for campaigns to have an organized system of cataloging or storing the information regarding their campaign contributions and expenditures because they can get really, really complicated, particularly if you're running larger campaigns like a statewide ballot issue or a large independent expenditure or a large candidate campaign. You're going to have a lot of money coming in and out of the campaign and you're going to want to keep track of it because the last thing you want to do is make a mistake on your campaign finance filing and it to become the story that throws you off your campaign's message. So be aware of whether or not there are certain dates that the campaign needs to file the reports and how to do those and when you need to file by. But Joe, what do you think some of the biggest mistakes campaigns make when it comes to election law or compliance as folks are starting out? Every year, there's a candidate who is seen as the front runner, who's supposed to be the shoe in for this race. And literally the day after election, it turns out that they filed their paperwork wrong and they're not on the ballot. Happens all the time. And by the way, that's the easiest thing to do. 
signing up to say I am running and putting that in, that's easy, right? In many states, you have to file petitions and you have to get people to sign. You have to stand outside with clipboards or mail them in or it gets really complicated. That's much harder. But the initial paperwork, that's usually pretty easy. People make that mistake every year. You really need to make sure that you get help. I'd say that's one of the other big mistakes is that whole idea that you talked about, about having a system, right? You need to make sure you're getting the records organized. It's done in the right way that complies with the state, right? That you have the documents, the checks, the receipts, all of that, that that's organized. And you need to make sure that it's somebody's job to do it. Yes, there's technology out there that can help and you don't want to cheap out. You want to get good technology that can help you like an NGP van or something else. But then also you want to make sure you have someone working with you that understands compliance, that's willing to put in the time, that's their job to do it, that they go to that little course to make sure they do it, that they have a friend who's a CPA who could look this over for them. Doesn't have to be expensive. You don't have to spend a ton of money on it, but you're going to have to spend some and it's going to have to be a part of your plan to have compliance and election law covered so you get it right. Absolutely. You just want somebody there who is going to double and triple check your work. We uh, had a recent campaign here in California at the statewide level where somebody forgot to put their party affiliation on their registration to be on the ballot and therefore just ran with no party affiliation. So it's little things like that that you want to make sure that you keep a magnifying glass to so that I's are dotted and T's are crossed. And you'll understand how to do that because many of the state and at the federal level, it's the Federal Elections Commission, are going to have guides, resources, courses that you can take that's really going to help your campaign understand and navigate a number of different things, whether the candidate is making a loan to the campaign, how much and how they can do that, whether you're taking contributions and how many you can take from who and for how much, when you're making distributions and you're paying vendors and hiring folks, what does that have to look like? Are there campaign finance rules or funding that happens for in the particular race that you're running in, right? And then it'll likely have your financial filing reports timeline to make sure that when you announce your campaign, there are specific times in which you have to report who has given you money, how much they've given you, and what you've spent. And so you want to make sure that you're paying close attention to those things. There's also softwares out there that can really help folks understand and make state and local compliance reports much more seamless for your campaign. So again, if you're running in these larger campaigns where you're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars, where there is a lot of money flowing, you need a substantial system in place to make sure that you're not losing track of those resources. And as Joe said, have somebody who is trained to do these things to help triple check those things before they are sent in. And all of a sudden, you make a mistake and that becomes the story the press reports on that could potentially throw you off your campaign's message. And it also just eats time, right? We talk about there being, you know, three main resources in a campaign, people, time, and money. And compliance can take a lot of time and bad compliance takes more time. So fixing errors, all of those things. So having the right people, making sure that they go to the training, go to those trainings along with the guide, make sure that you're spending time on it. And to me, it is also that idea of getting professional help. It might cost a little bit of money, but better to do that than to spend the money once you have mistakes and have to fix all this stuff. That's even more expensive. And depending on the race and the place that you're running, the laws and compliance are going to be different. 
If you're putting a ballot measure on the ballot and complying with ballot measure laws, that is going to be different than if you're in a state and you're petitioning to get on the ballot for a candidate or petitioning for a ballot measure. It's all different. That is really important to have a lawyer look over your petitions, make sure that they're correct, You know whether that's for a ballot measure, whether that's for a candidate getting on the ballot. But then also, Worse comes to worse, if there's a real problem on the campaign, if you get knocked off the ballot, if you don't have enough signatures or people are fighting you over signatures, you want to have an election law that can go to bat with you and go to court and understand your campaign. That's a worse case, but it is important to know who those folks are that are going to help you from the beginning. And we are super lucky today to have one of the best election lawyers in the country talking with us, and that's Joe Sandler. Absolutely. And when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation and geeking out about election law and compliance with this episode's guest, Joe Sandler. We'll be right back. Hey, everyone, welcome back. I want to introduce this episode's guest, Joe Sandler. In addition to being an attorney, Joe has served as general counsel for the Democratic National Committee for 15 years and for multiple Democratic National Conventions in the 1990s and early 2000s. He was also appointed by the Speaker of the Maryland House of Delegates to serve on the Commission to Study Campaign Finance Law in 2011. He's wrote a chapter in the Lobbying Manual's fifth edition in 2016 and is the co-author of the Bipartisan Campaign Reform Act of 2002 Law and Explanation. Joe has written several articles focused on campaign finance and election law, spoken on various panels, and has been guest lecturer at uh, numerous universities and law schools. So we are definitely talking to an expert in this area today. Joe, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. So Joe, I start most of my interviews this way, but can you talk to our listeners a little bit about how you got started in election law and how you ended up here? Sure. So I I worked on campaigns uh, and love politics, you know, from the time I was uh, 17 years old. I'm about to come up on the 50th anniversary of the first campaign I did and practiced law in D.C. for a number of years, and in 1986, joined the Democratic National Committee as staff counsel to the operation that oversaw the selection of delegates to the 1988 Democratic National Convention. And that was the time also when the campaign financing, in terms of financing the presidential elections, was changing rapidly. And got into that and went back to my law firm. And in 1990, after working on the election, 1993 joined the Democratic National Committee as as general counsel and served through that in the in-house through the Clinton administration. Fantastic. So have you always had the election itch as most of us have in this industry? Yes. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> I've always worked on campaigns one way or the other. Absolutely. absolutely. So you touched on this a little bit, but can you talk about or at least give us some highlights about how the legal landscape has changed in terms of election law and compliance over the years? The legal landscape has changed tremendously in terms of two different fronts, in terms of campaign finance law. After the now forgotten campaign finance scandals of the Clinton administration in the mid-1990s, Congress passed this McCain-Feingold law in 2002, which upended the whole system of party financing of elections and basically introduced a new era of outside groups unions, trade associations, nonprofit advocacy groups on the on both sides having a much greater role and in fact rivaling the political parties for influence in the election process. And then 
the advent of the internet and online fundraising kind of shifted back away from large dollar contributions, both in terms of, you know, outside groups and the political parties themselves and grassroots fundraising became the ticket. And so a lot, you know, less restrictions on that, but still relative to other players in the political arena, candidate committees and outside groups, the big headline is the reduced role of political parties, you know, really in the last quarter century and more. Absolutely. And I think we've seen that over the last couple of cycles as well, right? The number of different types of players that are engaging in one way or another, corporate or otherwise, nonprofit or parties are all trying to get their piece of the pie in there. Regardless of our listeners are thinking about a candidate campaign, a ballot measure campaign, an independent expenditure, et cetera, are there any sort of common misconceptions that in working with campaigns, you've seen that they have around election or compliance law when they're first sort of starting out? Sure. And the the main thing is to take legal compliance seriously over and over, particularly with a congressional race or state, a legislative race, we see people saying, well, my, my uncle's an accountant, you know, he'll just take care of the books. It's a big mistake. Every campaign has to have a compliance professional to make sure it's record keeping and reporting is right. Similarly, obviously, you know, it's important to get good legal advice on qualifying for the ballot if you're a candidate. And then you talk about initiative and referenda, legal uh, obstacles to that have to be navigated carefully or, you know, your measure is not going to get on the ballot or it's at risk of getting knocked off the ballot. Uh, That's an area in particular uh, where it's critical to consult legal counsel early on. But in terms of sort of the basics of record keeping, reporting, you know, disclaimers, the major elements of compliance with election law, the biggest problem is people not taking it seriously from the outset. The other thing is that, you know, campaigns, particularly larger campaigns, statewide uh, and congressionals, are businesses. And the obligations that the business has as an employer to make sure people are paid as employees when, when that's required by law, that the campaign you know, has appropriate training to avoid illegal discrimination and harassment, you know, that its contracts are proper and in place and it's not a handshake when you're spending a lot of money and there's no legal obligation to get what you're paying for. So those kind of regular legal issues that any business would confront are important to campaigns as well. See, particularly the larger ones where you're talking about hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars being spent. Absolutely right. We, we often say uh, throughout this podcast, right, you are building a business that is going out of business in the same way you would think about building a business plan and having all your T's crossed and your I's dotted. You right. want to be doing the same for your campaign as well. What is the best way for our listeners at, at whatever level they're thinking of running a campaign, local, state or federal, to really find out about election law or, or compliance requirements and, and get that information? At the federal level, the Federal Election Commission has basic guides that are excellent starting points, you know, that are free, that are online, that give you the general overview. Again, you need competent compliance assistance and legal counsel. And the same is true with most of the state election authorities. Secretary of State offices or state election boards have materials that you can look at and you can find out, you know, how often do I have to report? What has to be kept track of? (laughs) What are the penalties for failing to comply? So... I read that. It's a good place to start and then to get into figuring out how you're going to do that piece of it right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Most of this stuff is publicly available information. It just depends on um, how easy it is to find in most of these locations or depending on the level of office folks are running at. 
Joe, what would you say are the most common challenges that campaigns come up against when it comes to election law? And is there any suggestions you have for our listeners on easy ways to maybe potentially avoid them? In terms, again, of the uh, the campaign finance side, the biggest problem is not understanding what a contribution is, what has to be reported, <laughs> what the limits are, and in complying with the, you know, with the reporting requirements. That's a common thing. And, and then it's the other is, again, making sure that you are careful about complying with legal requirements to get on the ballot if you're a candidate and to qualify your measure, submit it, qualify it, collect the signatures for it if it's an initiative or referendum. The other area that people often step into unwittingly is the issue of coordination. Under the federal law and the law of many states, if outside organization knows what you want done, in terms of communicating with voters and takes a piece of that off of your plate for you at your that you be the campaign. It's considered an illegal in-kind contribution. It's as if you're directing their money is <laughs> the same as they're making a contribution for you. And that's the whole issue about independent expenditures and what's independent and what's not. And it's important to understand that because people trying to be helpful, people working with you, some forms of that cooperation and coordination can be perfectly lawful and others can get you in trouble unwittingly and create a story that you don't need or worse. Absolutely. And I think uh, that applies, and correct me if I'm wrong, if you're a candidate running for office, obviously not coordinating with folks who who are organizations or independent expenditures also making, engaging in the electoral process, and vice versa for those organizations and independent expenditures. Is that the same for a ballot initiative campaign? No. Well, it's not the same in the sense that ballot initiative campaigns, contributions to ballot initiative campaigns cannot be limited constitutionally under the U.S. Constitution. So that's the law everywhere. But there are reporting requirements for ballot campaigns, and they're strictly enforced, particularly in places, say, like Washington State, California. Therefore, that even though you might be lawfully able to coordinate if you do it, but you don't report it, you can, you know, that can be a big problem. And there certainly have been some major uh, enforcement cases in, in Washington State and Oregon and in California about that situation. Yeah, ensuring that everybody who is involved is, is known to be involved. Are there any resources that you would recommend to campaigns or our listeners to look at to help them navigate this sort of election law process? Well, again, the, the publications of the Federal Election Commission and the state election authorities are a good place to start. They have a lot of free material online that you can look at to get a basic understanding of you know what's a contribution, what's an expenditure, what do you have to keep records of? What do you have to report and how often? And that's a good, good starting point. Is there any major difference as our listeners are thinking about engaging, whether at the local or state or federal level, that election law differs drastically that they should be aware of? Yes, absolutely. The Federal Election Campaign Act and the regulations of the Federal Election Commission and its rulings govern the financing of campaigns for U.S. House, U.S. Senate, and President, and for the National Party Committees, the DNC, the RNC, NRSC, and DSCC, and so forth. The laws governing running for state and sometimes local office vary from state to state. The financing, the rules governing the financing of, of election to a state legislature or to statewide office in the state are governed by state law. Election to local office, county commissioner, county board of commissioners, county executives, you know, mayor, uh, city council 
can be governed by state law and local law, or sometimes just local law. And particularly, again, in, you know, in California and some other places, have extensive local campaign finance regimes. So, yeah, it varies widely, varies widely. Great. So make sure that you are paying attention to your particular district or region or or a level of office you're running for to make sure that you are reading the proper protocols and campaign finance that you should be adhering to. Any other pieces of advice or information that we have not covered that you think would be important for any of our listeners who are thinking about engaging in the electoral process to consider, particularly as it relates to election law or compliance? Well, again, you know, there's there's a lot of dimensions to election law now. We've talked about campaign finance and to talk about ballot uh, and initiative and referendum qualification. The other area that's, of course, evolved extensively and is critically important now is voting rights. And, of course, all the state laws are changing, as, particularly as the Republicans try to roll back voting rights in the states now that they have control of many state legislatures, many governorships. And it's really important to know, not campaigns generally these days leave the voter registration piece to outside groups and to some extent to the political parties. But in terms of getting your voters to the polls, one of the most important ways to deal with new and changing restrictions on the right to vote is voter education. You know, mm-hmm. touching your voters to get them out to vote, tell them what to bring to the polls, tell them when the polls are open in terms of, you know, ID requirements, tell them if they've moved, where should they go, the old place, the new place. I mean, just knowing that and uh, really pounding that home can be um, it's important as, you know, knowing that you've got a the top level positive on your, you know, GOTV ID, they're definitely going to get out the vote. Yeah, but you got to tell them how, particularly now with the changing landscape of uh, laws regulating the right to vote and insurance to have that vote counted. Absolutely. I feel like it, we often tell our, our listeners, right, that, that elections and politics are likely the last thing on a person's to-do list or their list of importance or priorities and to not only layer in the confusion or the misinformation around how they actually vote, right, is another piece that campaigns should really take seriously into consideration and keep up to date about how the laws are changing in their particular states or localities. Right, exactly. Even though there's, there'll be litigation and the, the leading role in advocacy, lobbying the state legislatures, kind of the state election boards and the counties, and then litigating these cases may be taken by, you know, outside groups, Democratic Party, individual campaigns still need to understand, you know, what's the upshot <laughs> to make sure they're doing the most effective job of educating their their voters who are committed to getting to the polls about what they need to do to make sure they can vote and have their vote counted. And so um, somebody may be listening to this particular episode and be intrigued by the work that you are currently doing. And for anyone who is interested in getting into a career in election law, any advice you have for them? Sure. The most important training for election law is not taking election law from a famous professor in, uh, in a law school. It's working on campaigns. What we look for in uh, lawyers to to work with us and work in our field is experience in politics, (laughs) working in campaigns, because there's no substitute for that in terms of really understanding this very unique industry we're, uh, we're working in. 
Definitely, definitely. Well, Joe, thank you so much for joining us and for providing your insights and in-depth knowledge on election law. Um, I know that I learned a couple of things on this uh, in this interview, and I hope our listeners did too. If you have additional questions about election law or compliance in your area, feel free to reach out to us at the campaign workshop, and we're happy to connect you to some resources. But Joe, thanks so much again for joining us. Great. Thank you very much for having me. Of course. We'll be right back. Well, I hope you all geeked out as much as I did over that interview with Joe Sandler. Joe, I know you did. Joe made it really sound simple, the rules and regulations when it comes to compliance and election law. But it is a little bit more complicated than that. And so you really need to understand where do you find these rules and these regulations, right? Whether it's your board of commissions, your secretary of state, the Federal Elections Commission, and really hone in on those on the front end of your campaign so that you have a really good understanding of which laws apply to you. How do you get on the ballot? What donors are allowed to donate to you for how much? And when do you need to file those really important financial filing reports? And what do you need to include on them? Very often, these groups and organizations or boards and commissions will provide a training that you can send a staff member to to get a better understanding of how to ensure that you're dotting your I's and crossing your T's. And so the other piece you want to think about is you want to find somebody like a Joe Sandler who can make this really complicated and sometimes arcane laws and policies much more accessible and easy to understand for your staff, for you, for your campaign. And so really think about what type of help you need and who can really offer that to you. But Joe, what did you think of the interview? Yeah, well, first of all, Joe is great. And as you've said, it's finding people who really can make this very arcane, difficult system easy to understand and know what you as a campaign and organization about measure has to do to comply and really break it down into tasks. What are the things that you need to do? What are the election laws that are going on? What is particular to your type of race and campaign? And then what is different about your area that might have different nuances of election law that you've never heard before? And election law, it is changing all the time. Compliance, it is changing all the time. Just because you did this 10 years ago or 20 years ago does not mean it is the same. It is a constantly changing thing. And having people that are watching it and understanding the changes that are happening and what you can and can't do is just so important. Absolutely. And you don't want to get hit again with an unnecessary fine or an unnecessary story that you then have to respond to. But Joe, how can campaigns be thinking about planning for election law and compliance at the beginning of their campaign? Well, part of that is a budget thing. It's budgeting. It's making sure that you have the experts you need, an election lawyer, someone who is doing your compliance, your treasurer, but somebody who might be helping your treasurer doing data entry to get all this in and helping you check the work using some kind of a compliance system, NGP van or however, but the data has to get in there and be organized and you have to be collecting the right data. And part of this has to be a part of your campaign plan from the beginning that you're going to spend this money and and this is probably the first money that you're going to spend. Absolutely. And taking the time to understand how many signatures you need to collect. Who can you collect them for? How do you contest them if you want to sort of knock your opponent's stuff off the ballot, right? So there are a lot of pieces about just even getting on the ballot that you really need to take the time to think about, to understand, and to do right. 
I think Joe also made a really interesting point about how the legal landscape has changed in terms of campaign finance law, but also how the players have changed and emphasizing the influence of outside groups like labor unions, trade organizations, nonprofits in the election space and how they're playing. Joe, are there differences when it comes to election law and compliance depending on a group or organization's IRS status, whether they're a C3, a C4, a PAC. Can you talk a little bit about that? These different organizations are able to say different things, or they can say anything and everything, If depending on whether they are a C3 organization that really can't talk about like partisan politics and use direct sort of magic words, vote for or vote against if you're a C3, but you can, as a C3, get folks to turn out and engage in the electoral process. If you're a C4, you can use those sort of magic words, vote for or against, but again, it depends on the area in which you're going. You might have to file in a different way. You might have to file as a PAC instead. And again, super PACs also at the state level might have to file in a different way. It depends. And you want to make sure that you have someone that understands those legal nuances on state election law versus federal election law. And it's a lot and it's tricky and it takes time. So that's the first thing. And then second thing is just because you could do certain things, it doesn't mean that your organization itself wants to do those things. So you also need to make sure that you get buy-in from your organization on this is your plan and what you're going to do and make sure that your board's okay with it. Just because legally you could do it or that an election lawyer says it's okay doesn't mean your organization says it's okay. So understanding those kind of boundaries also are critically important. Absolutely. So I think today's episode's lessons are do your research, understand the law, or find somebody who does. So thank you for tuning in to today's episode. If you have any questions or comments about compliance or election law aspects of your campaign, feel free to reach out to us on social media or email us. Our information can be found in the podcast description. So be sure to check out next week's episode. In the meantime, like, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And until next time, this is Martin Diego Garcia and Joe Fold breaking down how to win a campaign. How to win a campaign is Joe Fold, Martin Diego Garcia, Elizabeth Rowe, Carrie Yanata, Gabriela Zwaffler, and Hope Ledford. Music by Mike Pinto. Sound editing by The Sound Sanagoma. Special thanks to the team at the Campaign Workshop. Please review, like, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.